Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I wanted to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. You can check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, folks, welcome into the Orange and Brown Report podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jared Mueller. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. And, uh, you know, it's time for us to get smarter about football. Uh, so I have my buddy Jake Burns coming in on the show. Jake, how are you doing today, buddy? Good, Jared. How are you, friend? You know, I'm doing all right. Uh, my office decided to close a half day early. I'm off tomorrow, and then I got a so I got a three and a half day weekend. It's kind of weird. I mean, I have to use vacation time, but whatever. It's still three and a half day weekend. So, you know, I'm going to take that going into you know all week. I made sure I wear Buckeyes colors or Browns colors because it's you know two pretty big big games for uh, football in the state of Ohio. So it's going to be interesting. Listen, I, the Ohio State has to get over the hump mentally with with Clemson, who's what four and zero against them all time now, and. Cleveland has to get over a little bit of the mental hump with Pittsburgh. I mean, I know they've beaten them in the past, but they haven't beat Pittsburgh in meaningful games in a long time. So this is uh, two games in which the Ohio teams have to, to show some resolve. You know, absolutely. And and for the Browns, which is obviously what we're here to talk about, um, we don't want to spend too much time looking backwards, but we want to, I think you did a really good job on the OBR uh, kind of breaking down for us why. And so I don't want to spend, go too deep because I think your, your piece did a good job. But for those of you who haven't read it, how did the Jets, besides the fact the Browns had no wide receivers, how did the Jets stop the Browns rushing attack on Sunday? Well, there's, it's twofold. I think the Browns are dealing with Nick Harris, who, <clears throat> excuse me, who um, was a little overwhelmed. And listen, he played pretty well against the Giants, but I think the Browns threw a significant amount of times against the Giants, and that helped him a little bit. He's a little bit better in retreat right now. He's not a big guy. Uh, he's smaller than J.C. Treader, who I don't think J.C. Treader is a very big center. So you're you're kind of dealing with the physicality issue right away. And then if he if he doesn't solve it with perfect technique, then sometimes he gets beat up. And he got beat up in there a little bit. Um, and I think that that led to some issues. I think the tight ends didn't block as well as we hoped they would. I think Njoku was okay, but Hooper, I think, would admit that he played his worst game in a Browns uniform. And then I didn't think Harrison Bryant was very good either. So when that happens, and, and as you know, they only ran it nine times in the first three quarters or so. It, it wasn't a ton of opportunity. So if one guy breaks down, it's a problem. And that's what can happen. You know, the Jets did a great job of saying, hey, the Browns are going to play. If they play these wide receivers, 
We're not afraid of them. We think that the Browns don't trust them. We think that there's going to be a lack of chemistry there. We think they're going to do everything they can to not throw to those guys unless they have to, which ended up being right, right? 35 throws to tight ends, running backs, the most uh, that we've seen that this year, obviously. And I think that's only been happened four times since 2000. So I think that, that obviously the Jets' thought process was perfect. They decided to play their Mike linebacker about seven yards. If you recall a Greg, uh, Greg Williams Triple G special when he was here with Joe Schobert, and they said this, we're, we're going to bring our corners. Anytime the, Brown, anytime the Browns get under center, we are going to bring our corners off the edge. We're just going to run blitz them. We're going to send them inside. They're going to be D-gap run fit players, and we're going to have our interior guys, our box guys, play the box aggressively. And if they play action boot, we have a guy sitting there, a very fast athletic cornerback awaiting him to, to, to boot back into our lap. And if they straight drop play action, we think that we have enough uh, defense in the secondary to, to slow down enough, uh, slow this thing enough to, to get home, that we can get pressure on Mayfield and make it hard on him. So they would just take their two safeties and roll those two safeties outside at about 10 yards after the snap and just kind of play catch coverage. Like whatever the wide receivers run, they're playing catch coverage. The Browns didn't throw much, though, from under center. They didn't run many play action schemes. They just wanted to try to get under center and run it. And the Jets had the perfect formula. The corners and run fits gave them fits. And if you play any odd front team, which the Jets were, for the most part, an odd front team, you have to be able to handle the edges, and they did not handle the edges well, and the Jets were able to send their outside linebackers slash defensive end. They just call them edge players. Some call it a Rio Leo type. Uh, they were able to send those guys inside and let them play less worry about contain and more worrying about, hey, man, hit the C-gap and make disruption happen, and that, that's what they did. So um, the game also dictated it, as you know, Jared. They fell behind, and, and they couldn't just continue to try to run the ball. When you're open the second half and it's – Listen, they are disappointing in the first half. I think they ran for four yards, five yards total in the first half. But the Browns' thought process was where everybody talked about it. Well, they come out in the second half, they're going to run the football. Well, you fall behind 20-3 to three after the first possession, and every time you hand the football off, it's a win for the defense at that point because the clock's running. So the Jets got out of that you know, press corner, uh, you know, sort of auto check to send the corners in the second half because they were up by so much. So it didn't matter. It, it just, what they wanted to do was get out in front of Cleveland early by doing a couple different things defensively. They thought would give them a headache. And then they wanted to beat them with a couple special little plays offensively, which they did. They beat them with a trick play to go up. Then they hit them on a, a little, uh, uh, inside breaking from a bunch alignment inside breaking route, which the Browns have struggled with all year. And, and all of a sudden it's 13, 14, three, and the Browns are trying to play speedy catch-up, which they did well enough, but a fluke fumble happens there on the final drive that, that eliminates it. So, listen, it sucks. It is what it is, though. They 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 had a team that perfectly took advantage of their personnel issues and challenged the Browns to do some things they were very uncomfortable doing. And um, by the time they adjusted, which I think they did adjust, by the time they adjusted, though, they just the, the seconds ran off the clock, which is pretty similar to what happened with the Rams the week <laughs> before. I think people got to stop thinking, that, like, like, the, the Jets pretty much beat the Raiders, and it was a Except fluke play at the Greg end. Except for Williams, so, right. Exactly. It's a fluke play at the end. They beat the Raiders. They laid a couple clunkers. I think they laid a clunker against Seattle and maybe somebody else mixed in there, maybe the Bills. I can't remember. But they played well the last, like, five weeks. They obviously beat the Browns. They beat the Rams, who were in contention to be, like, a like the two-seed in the NFC. So the, the Jets are a joke. I get it. They have won one game, but they were playing really hard, and they've been playing much better of late. And uh, they used the same formula they used the week before against the Rams and against a similar offensive structure that the Browns had. And uh, I think they did a great job of throwing in this late auto check to, to challenge the Browns to throw um, to, to their receivers against uh, tight under center coverage. So, like, I just think they did a great job of adjusting to what the Browns wanted to do, making their run game difficult. By the time the Browns 
kind of gather their thought process. Hey, we need to throw some more screens. Hey, we need to run the ball from shotgun uh, to eliminate those auto check blitzes. It was just a little too late. But again, it wasn't technically. They don't fumble. They could have tied that game up and potentially won it in overtime. But, you know, that's a shoulda, coulda game. Absolutely. Excuse me. And and Jake hit on it already a little bit. We're going to move forward. So make sure you go to the OBR, uh, look up Jake's piece on on what the Jets did to uh, the Browns run game. And you can actually see the videos that he broke down there for us. And Jake started talking about the odd front. So before I uh, kind of get into that, um, you know, I think it's really interesting. We tend in the general media as well as fandom to kind of swing back and forth. So at one point in time, 3-4 versus 4-3 defense was all the conversation. And then we've really swung the opposite direction where it doesn't matter because we are in, uh, everybody is in nickel or dime, you know, 63 to 75% of the time or whatever the numbers are. I know the bills are at something like 90% of the time they're in nickel or dime packages. Um, but you have stated to me privately as well as just a second ago that odd man fronts tend to cause the Browns problems. So before we get into uh, Jake's kind of thesis on that, remembering that it some of what matters there is is the gaps. Uh, and then what you probably understand, fans, is technique. You've heard us talk about, you know, the nose tackle, which is the zero or one technique. So that means they're lining up over the center or between the center and the guard, which is the one technique. You've heard of wide nine, which is the defensive end that's kind of way out. You've heard of the three technique, you know, where they're going to be lined up. So just remember some of those things that we're talking about techniques on the defensive side and gaps on the offensive side and and what that all kind of looks like. You'll remember gaps because Greg Williams said something about putting your testicles someplace in a gap. So, Jake, you talked about the odd man fronts being difficult for the Browns. We know that the Steelers tend to run odd man fronts. So do the Baltimore Ravens. So what does that mean that odd man fronts are difficult for the Browns and for zone run schemes in general? It's just a different look. You're so used to playing four man front defenses that, you know, when you have the center with a guy head up and you have a a couple four techniques over your offensive tackles, and then you have these wide outside edge players, it just makes for different launch points for your tight ends for your tackles and who you have to reach it makes you have to cover more ground and I think it does allow defenses to do more unique things in terms of playing gaps that were unexpected crashing defensive ends those outside linebackers I was talking about and scraping from inside linebacker positions it just it presents more guys into the box a five-man front instead of a four-man front and it just challenges you in a way that you're not typically used to facing you know, the Browns spend all their time prepping training camp, just getting used to the scheme against a four-man front because that's what their defense runs and their defense is trying to get better at what they like to do. And it's just it's just a situation where you don't see that defense a ton and it creates some different unaccustomed angles, some different looks from guys in pre-snap alignments. And uh, you play teams like the Jets who shifted late. Uh, those late shifts and changing gaps at the very last second can give you some really strange uh, looks, too. And all it takes is one guy coming free, um, more often than not. is one guy goes unblocked or one guy doesn't get the reach or one guy doesn't get the gap down he's supposed to get to, and you have a guy in the backfield that blows up the pool or blows up the the uh, cutback lane of the running back, and it's just it's just a different, it's a different approach. You know, whether it's 3-3-5 stack stuff or – um, you know, whether it's true three, four defense, it is it's there to confuse and manipulate offenses into doing things and, and treating things uh, differently than they're used to doing. And that's why so many defenses run it. It's an effective style and it is particularly tough to block 
the edges against that defense. And I think a lot of what the Browns just generally like to do is run the football laterally to open up cutbacks, open up bounce, open up that bang course, whatever. They like to run laterally to run vertically. And I think that that defense is built, that front, that structure is built to handle it really well. And that makes a lot of sense because when you have four men on the line of scrimmage, you can do what you need to do to them pretty quickly since you're right there with them, whether you're an offensive lineman or a tight end. Uh, but then when you have those the the extra guy off the line of scrimmage, so he's a couple you know feet away, yards away or whatever, and the guys on the outside, you just have more ground to coverage. It's a little bit different, difficult to get to, and they have a they have that extra second to see what is happening. Whereas a defensive lineman, the three up front or the four up front, you have that extra guy who the Browns are getting to right away, and so they don't have as much time to react to figure out what's happening, where you're trying to go, all of those kind of things. And they're just a little bit farther away to get that cut, right, to get to. So that makes a lot of sense, and it and it explains why, while in general we may not value 3-4-4-3, three, four, four, three, but like you said, having those three down linemen versus four down linemen can really set up things to just be a little bit more difficult. That extra one guy off the line of scrimmage and where they're at really creates an interesting puzzle and I think I, as a guy who has not played at the level you have or any of those kind of things, I feel like the zone blocking scheme, if it can be described as anything, is it's a shifting puzzle at all times that every piece has to have a good feel for what it's going to do when other pieces on the defense move and do and shift. It feels like a just a consistently shifting puzzle. Does it feel that way to you as you you know know the nuances of it? Yeah, it's not a static puzzle. It's like a puzzle where it's on the move all the time, and the and the corners change, and the and the edges and the and the and the placement can change from from snap to snap. It's reactionary. It's not it's not static in nature. So you have to react to how you know whatever gap a defender's trying to play. You have to react to where they're trying to get to, and either seal, run by, or whatever. And then you have to have somebody who's putting the puzzle together in the top half of it at running back who can see the shifting pieces at the same time and be able to get to where he's supposed to go, then it creates the best avenue from A to B. So uh, a puzzle's probably right. Maybe like cogs in a clock or something like that. Yeah. And it just every piece is dependent on the other piece, and what you have to do is more reactionary and more um, a, a, a movement approach based on what the defense tries to do to defend it. And you have to, again, you have to have a master back there working in the running game who can who can get where he's supposed to go uh, as things are shifting and evolving every step of the run, so which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, and, and again, we've talked about it about quarterback play, but offensive line, running back, just how much information is being processed in such short periods of time, and why it has to be reactionary. It can't. Be, they're not really thinking. If we if we think about thoughts as let me decide where I'm going, they really are subconsciously reactionarily reacting another a dork part of me is i love uh marvel i love superheroes all that is thinking about ant-man and how he you know dealing with the quantum realm and making sure he doesn't get lost and making sure all of that kind of stuff and and there's a lot of that going on where there's just so much information to process and at times you know obviously i think nick is better than uh kareem uh in kind of processing all of that information uh but in general a lot of information to process and when things are just barely off whether it's in you know having nick harris um having kendall lamb having you know those corners coming there was just so many different variables against the jets that again in week 17 which we're going to talk about here before after i talk about indeed in week 17 against the jets we may not be visiting the full team 
but we may have to do that in the playoffs, may have to do that in the future. So it's something to keep an eye on with odd man fronts and how the Browns zone scheme or how Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, and the the like adjust that scheme and maybe try to do things a little differently when facing that scheme. Uh, but we're going to talk about week 17 here in a second, uh, Jake, but I got to talk about indeed first 2020. Literally, I am going to post this right after Jake and I record just the way it's going to go from now on. I'm going to try more often than not to just get it posted, give you more time to listen whenever you want. So 2020 is literally almost over. I mean, I'm talking, we got in my time zone, we got less than 10 hours left. Uh, so 2020 has already reshaped how we work. It's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Uh, Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comstore. Indeed helps you find your quality candidates quickly. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com. We literally mean right now. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire because this offer is only valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. I don't know what read I will read tomorrow. I'll probably read this one and just hopefully that blue wire thing still works. Go to indeed.com slash blue wire. So Jake week 17, we're going to move forward here. Let's just ask it this way. The Cleveland Browns lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not even going to pretend like all the, you know, the Colts. I don't care. I don't want to pretend like the Browns are going to make the playoffs without beating the Steelers. So forget all of that noise. The Cleveland Browns lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. What does that mean? Well, it's devastating. I mean, you don't really always get a schedule that lines up perfectly. Uh, I, I don't know if this one lined up perfectly per se. They've dealt with the Browns have dealt with a ton, a ton of adversity. But to be ten and you know whatever ten and four and have a chance over the last two weeks to beat a one win Jets team who's really not trying to win as best they should, maybe from the GM, uh, from a front office standpoint, and then to face Pittsburgh who's sitting the majority of their most dangerous players, it would be pretty devastating. And I always fear, as any Murphy's Law Browns fan fears, is it's (laughs) like the point at which it turns, right, where you think you have this promising head coach and then they lose this game, they miss the playoffs, the same way everybody thought in 2008. They were like, okay, they're going to trend up and keep getting better. Or 2003, when they came back, everything's going to trend up and they're going to keep getting better. This is just the start. You never... You never know. We all really like Kevin Stefanski. I do, obviously, and I'm in the boat. Uh, but you just never know. It's like in three years, you look back after a couple of disappointing seasons, and it's like, man, maybe if they would have just got to the playoffs there, it could have changed everything. Um, I, I, You try not to think that way, but it's just the nature of, of being around this franchise for so long. It would have a lot of long-term ramifications, I think, in terms of the, 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 the impact on the franchise. Uh, the guys, the psyche of the players, all of that, and, and potentially on Baker Mayfield, too, if he doesn't play well, uh, especially over these last two weeks, if you added them up, you'd, he'd be pretty pretty devastated. So, listen, I, you, you don't want to consider them losing. Maybe they are maybe they have enough resolve. Maybe they maybe Kevin finds a way to overcome it, and they put this thing together for the long term. I don't know. It's not – I can't sit here and say if they lose this game and miss the playoffs, which losing does not automatically mean they're out, but it would certainly become a very uphill battle, but – you know, if they if they miss the playoffs here, it 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 would take a ton of resolve, and it would take um, 
I guess it would take it would take a pretty not miraculous, but just just a ton of grown ups. I hate there's no other way to put it, but like just a bunch of guys who can overcome. And if they were able to overcome that, I'd be kind of surprised. I don't know what other way to put it than I'd be surprised because it just would be it would be devastating. You know, if you look back though, Jared, at the beginning of the season and you told a Browns fan, "Hey, man, they're going to go ten and six this year," you'd be like, "Oh, wow, okay, yeah, great, I love that." Especially considering the circumstances leading into the year and what they've dealt with, but to be where they're at, Jared, at ten and four two weeks ago, and to come away at ten and six and miss the playoffs when it was all right there in front of them would just be devastating. I think you could take a step back, maybe a month or two later, and be like, okay, actually ten and six was a pretty good, pretty good to great first season. It sucks they missed the playoffs. But it's the nature in which they would have missed it. It's the Jets and then the Steelers resting important pieces. They're they're winning pieces, and that part of it would be a really hard pill to swallow. So um, it could be a turning point one way or the other on Sunday. It could be this launch point into the playoffs, into what we hope becomes a perpetual competitive franchise over the next uh, decade. Five, we'll just say five years because we don't want to go that long. But you know, a nice five year run. Uh, for the franchise, or it could be a pivot point in which you look back in a couple years and you're like, that's where it went wrong. So um, it's huge. Needless to say, it's it's a playoff game within the regular season, and they have to do, I've said it from the beginning of the week, whatever it takes to get it done. Bring a couple trick plays up your sleeve, bring a fake punt up your sleeve, fake field goal, uh, do some things defensively that Mason Rudolph is not prepared for. Um, which is challenging because the Browns are dealing with limited practice time already this week. But you got to it's got to be all hands on deck, man. And you'll deal with the ramifications of what that means. Maybe you go play Pittsburgh again the next week, and, and which is highly likely, and you've thrown everything at them. But you just got to play the game. So you win this one, and then you see where the, 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 the chips fall or whatever, and you go from there. But it is an all hands on deck, and it should be whatever is necessary to get this thing done, man. Absolutely. And I think you're exactly right that sometimes – not sometimes, oftentimes narrative does play such a huge role. And, you know, understanding that the end, and I wrote an article today for the OBR, so you can check it out more from a counseling perspective, but how personality traits of process versus outcome and all that stuff play out. But you're right, 10 and 6 will feel different, you know, because of who the last two teams were. Whereas if the Browns were playing the Packers and Chiefs and they both had something to play for in week 16 and 17, so they were playing all their players and the Browns just couldn't pull one of those games out, they still got 10 wins. It just happened to be that their last two games, they couldn't get it against the two top teams in each conference. Okay, you know, that's different. But there is a narrative piece to this that can play a huge role in and how people see Kevin Stefanski. How, but what really matters is how Jimmy Haslam sees Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield. And even maybe even more so how free agents see Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, their defense, whatever it is, um, and who are trying to decide if they want to come to Cleveland, uh, you know, making the playoffs, not making the playoffs, losing to these two teams versus maybe giving the, a run for the money to the Packers and Chiefs and just falling short. Like all of that stuff can matter um, in how a team is covered, but also how uh, other people will look at them. If the Browns win, which is what both of us, I think, expect, I'll use the word expect. Uh, we'll talk about whether you want to put a bet on it here and at the end of the, the segment. Uh, if the Browns win for you, does it really matter Does if they get beat in the first round? Like, is that a big difference between losing in week 17 and not making the playoffs versus making the playoffs, but losing in the first in the wild card round? 
No, man, make the playoffs. It's it's a it's a mental hike. Uh, I think the the Bills have been a really good litmus test for this. Um, you, you make the playoffs, you change a culture, and you start to build what is important around the important pieces you have. And uh, I just think the mental burden of we went to the playoffs, we've been there, we're close, we're right where we want to be. Uh, it all matters. So um, I think they certainly have to get to the playoffs. Um, we, we, whatever, listen, whatever it takes to get there. There is no. Well, we we got there and we lost in the first round. That sucks, and it's just, no. Get to the playoffs. That's the most important first step in this process. Perfect. That works for me, Jake. So, um, am I correct in saying your expectation is a Cleveland Browns win? I know we're going to do our prediction piece. Johnny will get that out at some point in time. But is it your expectation that the Cleveland Browns will beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week Seventeen? Yeah, absolutely. I think you you have to think that way until you can't until it gets proven otherwise. The guys sitting out are very important to Pittsburgh, and it was not a Pittsburgh play, team playing that great. They had a great third half of a third quarter and fourth quarter, uh, <laughs> but 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 they're not playing that great of football anyway. And the Browns are going to have several important pieces back. It's trending in that direction. So yes, they they should win this game. I think they do win something like 20, 24 to fourteen, twenty four seventeen, something like that. Perfect. Perfect. And before we finish off and uh, wish everybody a happy new year, the NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You may not be at a game this year. Our guy, Brad has actually got hooked up with a ticket. So if you want to hook somebody up with a ticket, you can holler at your boy. I'll figure out that drive up, uh, but you may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their NBA season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Jake, thank you for coming on today. Please have a safe and as happy as possible near. Thanks, Jared. You too, my friend. Absolutely. And folks, you guys do the same. Please enjoy the night, uh, but make sure you're more looking forward to enjoying the rest of the year uh, and taking care of yourself, doing the smart things, whether it's related to COVID, whether it's related to drinking and driving, all of those kind of things. Please make sure, uh, as always, as I always sign off, please make sure you're taking care of yourself, taking care of others. And as always, go Browns.